back by no one's demand but our own. And from our home office here in sunny, scenic, beautiful today, Elizabeth Park, Nashville, Tennessee. It is the award-winning 615 Sessions podcast. It's powered by our friends at Two Rivers Fort. And it's brought to you, as always, by A to Z Sports and A to Z Sports Nashville. Com. Hello, friends. Happy Tuesday. I hope all things are right and well in your world. I am having a spectacular week, and we have a spectacular guest here for you. Cousin Sal. You know him from Jimmy Kimmel, from the Bill Simmons podcast, from Against All Odds. He does the gambling show on Fox Sports with Clay Travis. My man is everywhere. But today, he is on the 615 Sessions podcast. We're going to talk about prop bets in the Super Bowl gambling decisions over the football weekend that cost betters like Sal an insane amount of money and his new book. All of that ahead on today's 615 Sessions. But first, I got to remind you about our friends at Two Rivers Forge. You know, in fact, I'm going to be heading out there at some point in the next three to four days to go check out and do a special feature from one of their Ford Broncos. Stay tuned for that. But I'm going to go to Mount Juliet, and at some point, I'm going to buy one of these cars. I drive a Ford presently. My Ford Escape, she's probably got about a year left in her before I start looking for a new car. And the first place that I'm going to start is Two Rivers Ford. Not just because they're great partners here with us on the 615 Sessions, not just because I'm a Ford guy, but because they have a non-commissioned sales staff That will make sure that I do not experience any pressure throughout the course of the car buying experience. You can check them out online at tworiversford.com or you can go pay them a visit in Mount Juliet. You know that they are powered by Ford, but Two Rivers Ford, just like this show, is driven by the people. Let's get to Cousin Sal. Back here, 615 Sessions on the A to Z Sports Digital Network. Cousin Sal is today's guest. A lot of good stuff that we have uh, ahead with Cousin Sal. You know him, of course, from the Bill Simmons podcast. You know him from Jimmy Kimmel. You know him from the uh, the Fox Sports betting show that he has with Clay Travis, uh, who I, you know, our audience is decidedly undecided on, but I'm sure Sal has his own opinions. <laughs> Sal, we appreciate you. Uh, we appreciate you stopping by, and we're happy to have you on to talk about the book that's coming out tomorrow. Thanks for having me. Yes, it's very exciting to talk to someone in Tennessee that doesn't look or sound like uh, Clay Travis. But yeah, you're right. Um, <laughs> thanks for having me on. No doubt, the book is "You Can't Lose Them All," cousin Sal's funny but true tales of sports gambling and questionable parenting. I got to tell you, Sal, uh, the cover of the book is among my favorite things about it. Just the visual <laughs> image. Because it projects exactly what this book is going to be about, and I I, I want to talk at length about the book, but I would be uh, I would be remiss if we didn't start with football. How much money did Matt Lafleur lose? People uh, <laughs> that bet on the Packers yesterday. What the hell was that? I don't know what the hell that was. And you know what? He had it all set up because he could have blamed Mike Patton in that atrocious defensive um, call at the end of the first half, and then he had to go match it with an equally as atrocious call at the end of the second half. And we see now that that hasn't happened, but for once in 40 years, I think Dan Quinn in 2015 was the last coach to um, kick a field goal down by that much, that close to the two minute warning. Uh, otherwise it hadn't happened before. I, I don't know why you take the ball out of Aaron Rodgers' hands and Aaron Rodgers certainly um, doesn't understand it either so much so that he is um, 
maybe, maybe considering going to another team. Who knows how that works out? But yeah, uh, everyone out there, like me who had the Packers money line and thought they were the better team was uh, miffed by that decision. God bless Aaron Rodgers for being as diplomatic as he yeah. is in these postgame press conferences because I would be screaming bloody hell. And it's it's something that's actually carried us through a, a an off-season day of local sports content because, of course, Matt LaFleur was the offensive coordinator here under Mike Vrabel, who until yesterday and may still have the title for the most cowardly coaching decision so far in the postseason with the decision to punt on fourth and two from the Baltimore 40 and just ultimately, you know, poop themselves in the middle of a home playoff game. Uh, It's been uh, it's been very, very interesting to see it play out. How I guess betting this NFL season from the perspective of somebody who doesn't bet given that I cover uh, one of the teams that most people bet on here locally. Yeah. Uh, what, what has it kind of been like to bet through this season with all the different unknowns that not just COVID has brought about, but all the circumstances that surrounding it, whether you know a game is going to be postponed, played on a Tuesday night, played on a Wednesday night, you don't know what the hell's going to happen. Yeah, you know, I mean, luckily, you know, the players involved and if there are scratches, late scratches, college was tougher. And especially your Tennessee volunteers, like you would see, I don't know. I saw some uh, some examples where Virginia Tech lost 25 scholarship players. And they're like, okay, I'll bet the other side. And then Virginia Tech comes out and covers. So that was weird. That was hard getting used to. In the pros, um, you know, is there such a thing as a, a home game when teams aren't, you know, when they don't have uh, fans? Um, well, it turned out Green Bay was 7-1 and one at home. Uh, Seattle was 7-1 and one before their playoff game at home. Kansas City, all the teams that play and perform well at home we're still good at home. So I guess it, it didn't matter having the fans, but yeah, ultimately aside from that, it was pretty much the same, just losing left and right on a uh, money line parlays and teasers. <laughs> Vegas got to make their money somehow, which I'm Definitely. sure you can hear all about when you order, uh, you can't lose them all. Cousin Sal's book that will be available tomorrow as we tape this podcast on a Monday night. I, I, I started, I started in on the book last week when they sent it to me, Sal. And I, there's so much in there that I don't want to give away for the people that need to go out and buy this book and read it. But just, I guess from a, from a larger, from a larger standpoint, when you, when you choose to write a book, mm-hmm. people write them for any variety of reasons. Why did you choose to write this book at the time that you put it out? Um, well, basically my, uh, agent, James Dixon is a very big pain in the ass and I urge <laughs> me to do this. And he's Girl. like, you gotta do it, baby. I'm like, I don't know. I feel like I have three jobs and this is going to be tough. He's like, no, you just write like 20 minutes every day. I'm like, all right. And then, you know, you sit down and Bill Simmons is, uh, he urged me as well. And he's like, you know, and then Bill wrote like a, you know, a 7,000 page book or something. And I'm like, all right, if he could do that. I can knock out a couple hundred pages. I sat down and I outlined like, what are the top 40 stories I would tell about my life? And as it pertains to, uh, you know, sports gambling, you know, and uh, I, I pretty much came with, out with the 40 right away. I'm like, all right, let me, let me flesh these out and see what we have. The problem is writing it over and over, not liking the first draft and everything else. I don't want to sound too self-important, but I made more of it than it was. And it took me a while to uh, write this. And then COVID hit. I'm like, oh, how do I address this? And I'm like, you know what? I'm never going to be able to properly address this God, all no. and done because it's not, it's not over. I'll wait years before this book to release it. So uh, I tried to just sum it up uh, as much as I could. But the, the main thing is I had so many characters in my life 
Um, and they're, uh, a lot of them are family and a lot of them are just friends that I went to college with. And I, I hit on, uh, that in almost every chapter. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's so, it's so full of, of different life experiences. Cause I mean, I'm just from the perspective, I'm 27 years old. Tennessee is new to sports gambling. Like it's just a, it's a totally different environment or a totally different worldview from the one that I read in your book where you're basically committing a felony left left and right (laughs) multiple times a day. And now sports gambling is all but all but normalized and, and soon will be more mainstream across the rest of the United States. I guess just, I, I don't even know if you can, I mean, I guess you would have to describe it since you wrote a book all about it, but just what is it like to kind of go through that day-to-day existence, understanding the legal implications of what it is that you're doing and still going about it anyway? <laughs> well, the crazy thing is I was probably at the height of my gambling, crazy, uh, you know, insanity it, while I was in law school. <laughs> so yeah. here I am studying up on laws and criminal law and, you know, all this other stuff. And um, I'm taking bets and I'm making bets. And, you know, it was uh, out of control and collecting from people. And it was really bizarre. But yeah, like you said, in Tennessee is now legal. God bless them. And we need some of those bigger states to come through and, and, and for it to be kosher. And then we'll see people coming out of the woodwork. And, uh, you know, because there's there certainly is still a stigma attached to gambling the degenerate side of it. And people would much rather it be legal, much like the marijuana laws out here and, and about, you know, people are constantly talking about vaping now. Celebrities come on my cousin Jimmy's show and talk about it, you know, every other day, every three days, they have a different story about it. Whereas, you know, a few years ago, Sarah Silverman, Snoop Dogg, Woody Harrelson, Willie Nelson were the only punchlines related to um, marijuana. I feel the same as going on with gambling. You need Texas, you need California, you need Florida to ratify. You need some of the bigger states, New York, and, uh, and then it'll really get going. Yeah. I mean, you, you talked about not wanting to, to sound self-important earlier, but like you, you've been a big part, I feel like, just in terms of people who consume mainstream media, whether it be from the, from the Kimmel Show, Fox Sports, or, or Simmons Podcast, you've been a big part of that conversation that's kind of, you know, changed any stigma that would be or started to change any stigma that would be associated with gambling in the same way that you just mentioned with with marijuana how how different is that conversation as we sit here now in in the year of the rona 2021 it feels like it's never going to end uh for as opposed to when you were i mean obviously it's significantly different from when you were in law school but even in even in like the last five years sal Yeah. I mean, even in the last year, I would say, and I was dumb enough to start a business on top of this book uh, during the pandemic, the Extra Points Podcast Network, which um, relies, you know, we focus heavily on sports and sports gambling and comedy. And in doing so, I have to hire hosts who are, you know, uh, familiar with gambling. And I want a lot of those hosts, at least the sidekick to, you know, be former athletes. And I have like Jeff Schwartz. I have TJ Hushmanzada on there. We have Kendrick Perkins doing a, a basketball podcast, the betting Academy, but these guys were, you couldn't even find them, you know, even a year and a half ago to talk about gambling. And like I said, I know they're out there, these athletes who gambled, you know, former athletes, mostly, I don't want to get anyone in trouble, but uh, like I said, I need, they, they need it to be, it needs to be a little more kosher for everyone to do a little more than dip their foot in the, uh, in the pond. Yeah. That's, I, I think just from, from somebody, and I'm sure you've been through this with, with hiring people to work, uh, and to host for for the Extra Points Podcast Network, how how hard has it been to find hosts who are as fluent as you need to be 
in the language of gambling. Like I'm, I'm finding that from somebody who is largely just because I cover the the Titans and, and the local professional football team, I don't gamble on the NFL. There's just some kind mm-hmm. of weird, weird thing that makes me feel like it's something that I shouldn't be doing. Now, college basketball, Indiana, Indiana will continue to break my heart until the end of time because I'm just I'm going to suffer that right. way as, as somebody who went there. But how 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 much have I guess how difficult has it been to find people who are fluent in this language that you know day-to-day gamblers are going to be able to pick up on much like golf and, and hockey zealots and just eat you alive if you don't if you're not talking their language? Well, it's it's been very difficult. And like I said, the names I mentioned were uh I'm very, very lucky to have them, uh TJ Jeff and uh, and now Kendrick for basketball. And I only think there's a handful out there that are known gamblers that I'm missing out on that I haven't approached. And I think the tough part is, and I understand it is, you know, from a very young age in high school and college, they're told, Hey, you bet on sports. You've been on this team. You've been on this sport. You're out. We're kicking you out. So they have that in their mindset. And as college players and as pro players now making millions of dollars, they don't want to rock the boat with a gambling uh, scandal. And so as a result, they haven't been fluent in that language for their, you know, their, their years in, in college and pros in their 20s and 30s, and it's tough to pick up. So I know I have a ton of um, ex-athletes that I love and I've talked to, and they're great at breaking down X's and O's. And then, and then you throw a line at them, and they're like, oh, I don't want to even deal with this. It's funny, on Inside the NFL, they just, just this year started betting against the spread. And, uh, you know, you see Michael Irvin and you, you saw uh, Brandon Marshall and Phil Sims in the beginning of the year. They're like, what is it? And they just they picked it up like that after a month. Plus six is the routine, you know, getting six points. Minus six, the team is laying six points. You have to win by seven or more to cash in on your bet. And, um, you know, just like any other language, you learn it and you get that muscle working uh, over and over again. And you're going to be fluent in it. You think it's made the conversation around sports smarter? Uh I think so. You know, I, I'm, I'm trying to figure out it, it's smarter in a different way, a smarter, a different way to look at it, because let's face it. Um, you know, these pregame shows, they focus on nice interviews and stuff, coming of age interviews. But I put on a p- pregame show. I want to know who I'm putting in my fantasy lineup and who I'm betting on Sunday. That's it. That's all I want to know. So um, and uh, to add to that, you know, you got Al Michaels is probably the only one honest about it. And in a 31 13 game that people aren't otherwise inclined to tune into for the fourth quarter, you still got the over under on the line. So that's why people are watching fantasy players. That's why people are watching. So um, yeah, it's smarter in that they're talking to an audience that's still there and there for a reason. Yeah. Without question. I have to, I have to ask what your it's, we're too far away from the Super Bowl to to get like a legitimate read on it. Although I guess nothing's going to change outside of hopefully Patrick Mahomes getting healthy, even though it didn't seem to matter yesterday. Um, your favorite Super Bowl prop bet as of right now, the Monday, two Mondays before the Super Bowl, what is it? Oh, man. I have, you know, the prop bets, the good ones, the juicy ones haven't come out yet. I'm guessing it'll be red Gatorade, right? Because it's usually the color of the team. If it's not clear, you go with the Gatorade color of the team. And both, both teams are sporting uh, red in a boring, boring matchup color-wise. Uh, I haven't seen the national anthem props or – or anything like that. Uh, I got to tell you, Travis Kelsey, whatever his over-under is for receptions, and it was seven and a half on Sunday, and he killed it. He had eight with six minutes left in the second quarter. That guy's a monster, and there's just no covering him. I know Tampa Bay has speedy backs, and Winfield will probably return, but um, whatever that over-under is, it's probably around six and a half, seven. 
I'm going to go over with it. It's crazy the way that, that they just you can't you can't let both Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey beat you, and they just they just absolutely find a way to let both of those guys yeah. club your secondary in a way. I just I can't figure. I I wish I wish that I wasn't bored by how great the Chiefs are. Like I just I cannot get enough right. of watching them now in the book. Uh, you can't lose them all, which will be available on Amazon and wherever books are sold tomorrow. Of course, you have a story in there about tr- how you went about telling your wife that you actually bet your house. Now, I'm not going to ask you for a figure, uh, but is is the house, the betting of the house, the most that you've bet on one on one? Week? Oh. Interesting. Yeah, I guess so. Well, depends on how much. Because I don't want to. I don't want to pry too deep. I don't want to get into into personal matters. There's a there. mortgage, and then there's how much I'm into the mortgage. So yeah, no. But either way, it's it's uh it's definitely the most I've put up. Um, and you know, let's face it, we have to count the marriage in there too, because my <laughs> wife left me, and then I'm uh, penniless anyway. So yeah. So what happens every March or the last few Marches, not not last uh, March, obviously for March Madness, I put up my house. I risk my house for anyone who can fill out a perfect uh, bracket for the NCAA tournament. Now, you know this, Mark, this is an impossible feat, right? Um, so that I'm so uh, so confident that I don't even take out insurance on this. Like I, for a couple thousand dollars, I can get insurance to pay for um, what, what the uh, downfall would be here. But I'm like, nah, no one's doing it. And I've done this a few times. And um, so far, like no one's gotten to the second I guess they've gotten to Saturday. So there's Thursday, Friday, and then a few people have gotten to Saturday and they lose on the first or second game Saturday. So just a bloodbath. In a sick way, it's, it's not even a challenge for me. And I'm like, oh, come on, win another day. And, uh, but with the wife, uh, it was on our way to a Valentine's Day dinner when I first broke the news to her and she started sobbing. And then again <laughs> in the uh, restaurant and I, I assured her it was going to be all right. And my aunt Chippy slapped me around. No one in the family thought it was a good idea. And, uh, you know, eventually I'll get hit by this. I'll make it like uh, the first two rounds or I'll make it like the play-in game gets my house. I'll do something stupid and it'll uh, bite me in the ass, I'm sure. But uh, for now, uh, to fill out a perfect bracket, it, it ain't happening. No. Right? <laughs> I mean, literally survive in advance. You, you really right. tested the limits on that one. Sal mentioned Aunt Chippy. You can read all about Aunt Chippy and how she got – Sal into gambling and at a very, very young and influential age. So many great yeah. stories and you can't lose them all. Cousin Sal's new book. It'll be available on Tuesday as you're hearing this podcast on Amazon, wherever books are sold. You can subscribe, rate, and review to the Extra Points Podcast Network where Sal and all of the hosts that he just mentioned are pumping out great sports gambling content for you to consume. Bill Simmons Podcast, Jimmy Kimmel, Fox Sports My man's all over the place. He's starting a business. He's writing a book in the middle of a global pandemic. Sal, I really appreciate uh, you spending some time. Godspeed on the book tour. And uh, and we appreciate you hanging out here on the 615 session. I appreciate you having me on. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Five good minutes on a Tuesday regarding what is still at this point at the time of this podcast recording 914 AM, 915 AM on Tuesday, January 26th. No new volunteers head coach has been hired to replace Jeremy Pruitt. The search is ongoing. The planes are being tracked. It has been a delight, but not in the way that I expected, to be honest, because the thing that I come away with so far is just how big of an improvement, even though it's only been a week, 
since Jeremy Pruitt was fired for cause, since Danny White was hired from UCF to be the new Tennessee athletic director, I cannot get over just by the fact that this is not becoming a national embarrassment for the University of Tennessee like it did when Butch Jones was ousted, when Greg Schiano was hired and then not hired, and they ultimately landed with Phil Fulmer and Jeremy Pruitt, that process was so incredibly sloppy, so misguided, so underwhelming. And I know you guys felt this too. And the person that I come back to time and time again, even though he has not yet made a hire, even though he has only been on the job a week, is just a just how proficient and how succinct and how close to the vest that Danny White has played this coaching search process. It's not just the fact that he's trying to block the flights to keep or block the flight tracking to keep you guys from finding out where the volunteer's private jet is flying to on any given day, which, by the way, you guys deserve all the credit in the world for that. You have been spectacular. You have been astonishing in your prowess to be able to find this jet in a way that I, I'm not sure that I, I mean, maybe with enough time I could figure it out, but like collectively, Vault Twitter, God bless you people. Um, but Danny White, in his introductory remarks at the time of his announcement officially with the University of Tennessee, I thought gave some... It's, it's, it's very much on par for what athletic directors say their first time at the podium when speaking to their new fan base, for lack of a better term. But Danny White, the way that he's gone about the process, kind of gives credence to what he was saying a week ago there in Knoxville. Integrity is an enormous part of who I am, of the people that we hire. Uh, I want a coach, a head coach that I can trust unequivocally and that I know that that person is going to hire a staff full of high character people and that goes beyond just staying within the rules or following regulations whether they be university conference NCAA it's bigger than that it's it's having the right moral compass that's going to rub off on our student athletes be a role model for our student athletes and make sure that uh, we're developing them in every way possible that their parents will be proud of that all of us would be proud of athletic director Danny White at his introductory press conference. Yeah, I just, everything that Philip Fulmer has done over the course of his career, and listen, Tennessee was in a bad spot when they asked him to be the athletic director. I understand a lot of it was brought about on themselves, so my sympathy only extends so far, but even when he became the head coach there in Knoxville, Philip Fulmer was... I won't say sloppy, but messy with the way that he kind of ascended to power, not just in the head coaching position, but then the whole reason that he sat in the athletic director's chair was because of a mess that had been made at the University of Tennessee and then furthered the mess by allowing information to get out, by allowing there to be a lack of oversight over Jeremy Pruitt and the way that he was running the program, so much so that there will be unnamed or uh, not not yet numbered NCAA violations that are getting ready to fall down upon Vols fans' heads. Philip Fulmer, whether it was ignorance or lack of care, allowed the program that he is supposed to love more than anybody else in the world. And I don't doubt that Philip Fulmer loves that program as much as anybody else in the Vols universe. 
But he allowed it to get into this position where now there is going to have to be a complete overhaul, yet another reboot, rebuild of this particular historically great, even though it hasn't been for quite some time, college football program. The history of Tennessee is so rich, but it is so easy to, I mean, maybe not easy to forget for those of you who have been Vol fans all your life, but I mean, I'm at a point, and you guys know this from an outside perspective, where I just look at them and wait for them to make the mess, the next mess, wait for them to pee on the rug over and over again, because that's all they've done for five years that I've been here. And it's not like Danny White has completely and totally earned my trust that he will not be yet another uh, cog in the wheel that ultimately leads to a snowball effect at the University of Tennessee. I don't even know if that metaphor or mixed metaphors that I use makes any sense, but you guys know what I'm saying. Like, Danny White doesn't implicitly get my trust, even though he's largely being celebrated. But the biggest thing for me with Danny White is that he there is no information out there on who could potentially get this job. And likely, it's going to be a name that many of us don't have on our hot boards. Now, that doesn't mean he's going to go do something dumb like Deion Sanders, but it does represent to me the need to keep this within the scope of Danny White and not allow outside influences, unless they're coming from the other side, unless they're coming from coaches' agents. But so far, you have seen very, very little politicking on either side as we wait for the next Vols head coach to be announced. Five good minutes here on a Tuesday. That's going to do it for us today on the 615 Sessions podcast. Make sure that you send me your Music City mailbag questions. You can slide on in my DMs at Buck Rising, R-E-I-S-I-N-G. On Instagram, we have some submissions already. We would welcome more of them. We'll read them aloud on the podcast. Bring whatever you like. They could be Titans-related. They could be draft-related. They could be life advice. I, I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm not somebody you want life advice about. Maybe you want me to explain why I don't do life advice well, because my uh, my life is very uncommon. <laughs> Let's go, but not to make it about me. Regardless, slide in my DMs for your Music City Mailback questions, which we will read on the Thursday podcast. In the meantime, subscribe, rate, review, unsubscribe, resubscribe, rate, review to the A to Z Sports Podcast Network, where you get the 615 sessions twice a week in your feed. You can leave five stars. They would be greatly appreciated. And you can support the people who support this show, Two Rivers Ford, out there in Mount Juliet, providing you exceptional service for nearly 40 years in the industry. In the meantime, I need you to stay safe. I need you to stay clean. I need you to go outside, honestly, and enjoy this beautiful day. But most importantly, Nashville, I need you to stay hot. This has been the award-winning 615 Sessions podcast. It's powered by our friends at Two Rivers Ford and brought to you, as always, by A to Z Sports and A to Z Sports Nashville.com.